So welcome back. Um, at our last podcast, Dr. Mike McBride gave us some very helpful, practical ways of coping with the stress of dealing with the isolation and social distancing of the coronavirus, the worries that we have, and how to deal with that stress. Um, we're going to continue that conversation this afternoon. And um, Dr. Mike, I'm sure there's some more things that you have in mind that will help us all get through this time. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that, Colette. Uh, there are a few other things that I think are worth uh, discussing. Um, we finished with good nutrition, and that goes without saying. Uh, I'd now like to talk about the importance of maintaining some structure in your life. Most people that I'm talking to not only have no structure, they don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> Every morning is the same. They wake up, they do nothing, they have no place to go, they go to bed, and they wake up. And so a lot of people have kind of lost that sense of, of structure, that sense of flow, that sense of, of movement. So I think it's important to have a daily uh, routine and not allow uh, feelings of uh, chaos and feelings of an unproductive life to kind of creep in and take over your, your mental health. It's important to create a sense of calm and it's important to uh, create a sense of purpose. Once we lose purpose, we lose direction, and it's difficult to kind of move forward and feel like uh, we're human. Wow. Yeah. I think, at least yeah. for me. So set some goals. Think of some things that you can accomplish during your day. That's going to be different for everybody. Uh, for some people, it might be cleaning house. I talked to a woman just today that said that they're doing a lot of deep cleaning, doing spring cleaning. Um, so that would certainly be something productive. Uh, my wife is an excellent cook and loves to cook. And uh, she has been spending a lot of time cooking this recipe and that recipe and something she sees on the Food Channel or she gets online. And uh, it's not Gee, It's too bad you can't invite us to your house. This is social distancing time. <laughs> we would like to sample that. Well, I have that problem, too, because I cook huge amounts of things, and I have no potluck to take it all to. Exactly. And, you know, you have a choice of so many wonderful leftovers that even then it's impossible to, to cover them all and to eat them all. And you said people are putting on weight. People are definitely putting on, putting on weight. Um, so, you know, cooking, uh, you might have some home projects. You might have some repair projects. Uh, I've talked to people who are cleaning out their closets and cleaning out, their, uh, cleaning out the, the drawers at home. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do, but it's good when you go to bed the night before to say, okay, this is what I want to accomplish tomorrow. And I got something done today. Exactly. I got something done. Exactly. Yeah. I like to have a list, and I feel satisfaction at the end of the day when I can check things mm. off my list. That's probably one of the best suggestions I've heard so far is get a list, stay productive somehow. Mm -hmm. And you've got to kind of self-regulate that a little bit because you don't have your boss looking over your shoulder so much right now. That's true. But uh, maybe people could even try some new things, learn a new skill, practice a new, uh, a, a new thing somehow. Absolutely. I think that's all important. And for those of you who start using lists as a way of keeping track of being productive, I normally wouldn't suggest this, but if you do something that's not on your list, 
I'd write it down just so you can check it off and yeah. you feel more productive. <laughs> it feels good to check <laughs> stuff off. Absolutely. Um, something else, and this kind of falls in, in that same general uh, vein that you were talking about, uh, Mark, and that is uh, pursuing hobbies. Mm. Um, people talk about when they retire, when they have more time off, they're going to uh, spend more time with their music or they're going to do more in gardening or reading. Um, well, you've got the time. So see how you like it. Find mm. out what kinds of hobbies you think you would enjoy and in, engage in them and see if they're things that uh, you enjoy and you want to keep doing after the coronavirus is over. Uh, so there's a lot of latitude. Puzzles, music, gardening, reading. Uh, you know, it might be a Bible study. It might be picking a book of the Bible and doing a more in-depth study than you normally do. It might be uh, fitness, you know, brisk walking, or if you have exercise equipment, uh, do what you can to stay in shape. The next point, and I think this is kind of important, um, avoid listening to too much news. Yes. Um, we, we want information, and some people are so obsessed with wanting to know how many people have the virus, how many people have died, how many are in the hospital, what the, the is, projections is are. Is it getting closer to us? Is it getting closer to us? Yeah, that they're listening to the news uh, from morning till night. And any other news source, which might be their neighbor or their cousin or their mother-in-law or somebody they're on Facebook with back in Charlotte. Um, so if you listen to the news too much, you'll find that there's often a focus on the sensational and the, um, the uh, images that they show are probably the more uh, fearful. You know, so I would, I would avoid watching too much news because that is going to affect your level of stress and it's going to affect your mood level. Could you talk to us a bit about when we ought to watch the news? You talked about having a structure so that when you get up in the morning, you know what you're going to do. Uh, do you recommend watching the news first thing out of bed? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I do remember reading once that if you're having any problems with anxiety or depression, don't watch any news for a month. Yeah. Now, for some people, that would just be further social isolation. But if you restrict yourself to one or two times during the day where you'll sit down and watch and catch up, that probably would be okay. But I think people get kind of this obsessive compulsive thing going where, you know, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is turn on the television yeah. um, and uh, listen to their favorite channel, their favorite commentators. Um, not always a good thing from a mental health perspective. Okay, good. Thank you. The next uh, suggestion I'd make is uh, related to our, our discussion a moment ago about learned helplessness. Um, I think that when people are able to turn around and move in one direction to do something different, that helps them get out of that state or that feeling of helplessness. It might be that if you commit uh, to contacting three friends a day by phone or by uh, email or by uh, Facebook or social media of some kind, um, that would feel like a move in the direction of normalcy. Uh, I had a f conversation with a very good friend of mine that I went to seminary with and we've kept touch forever. And uh, we spent probably 45 minutes on the phone. and. Uh, 
talked about everything under the sun, including the pandemic and good times from the old days at the seminary. It was a very enriching ex experience. Uh, I've done that with several people this week. Uh, my wife is socially connected to everybody by phone. I mean, I have to set up a time to get on her phone schedule. I, I feel if I called her on the phone, I'd have a better chance of talking to her, you know, than, I, than waiting until she was off the phone with other people. But she enjoys it, and she's staying in touch. She's keeping in touch with some of our uh, elderly uh, neighbors. Um, so, I, that's a good suggestion, because one of the things that the isolation has done, it's destroyed our sense of community, because we can't actually physically be with each other. Exactly. But if we, if we were to say, I'm going to reach out to three friends today in some unusual way, that would not only give us something to do, but it would restore some of that community, that sense of community that we need right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Another thing that one can do to help turn this around if you're feeling in a state of helplessness is to pay attention to how you are talking to yourself about what's going on in your life. Um, you know, the, the technical term would be uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or cognitive reframing uh, so that we can look at what's going on in our life from a slightly different perspective. It's not the things that happen to us in our life that lead to our emotional outcome as much as the way in which we interpret and give meaning to those events. Mm. Um, you know, so you want to avoid what Albert Ellis coined uh, years ago. He was probably one of the earliest cognitive psychologists, started practicing in the late 40s. Um, avoid stinking thinking. It's easy to get negative. It's easy to get critical. It's easy to think about the bad, the horrible, the awful, the dreadful. Um, it's, it's better for us to reframe things in ways that will lead to different emotional outcomes. It's one thing to say, this is a, un an unprecedented, uh, stressful period of life. But as a country, we've been through these things before. We will get through this, and we will look back in a, in a year, five years, 10 years, and uh, life has moved on, the markets have come back, our relationships are intact, people have their jobs, uh, as opposed to, this is horrible, this is awful, it's dreadful, I can't stand it, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. My life is coming to an end as I've ever known it. Yes, I hate the government, they've done this to us. Yes, yeah. bad, bad, bad. Yeah, and, and the, more we, the more we feed on conspiracy theories, the more we feed on our, our fears and our uncertainties, um, the more negative our cognitive frame, yes. and that has consequences for uh, how we process things. And Mike, I have often been a victim of stinking thinking. I do it to myself. And one of the ways I have learned to interrupt it and to change how I'm thinking is to just go to gratitude, to find what still is good and beautiful and right. Mm -hmm. What I still have, I still have a warm bed and a hot shower and I still have my telephone where I can talk to the people I love. And mm -hmm. just to just begin every single day to intentionally focus on what I have that has not been taken from me. To sound uh, really old and maybe like a Sunday school, Sabbath school teacher, children, count your blessings. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. It's, it's the bottom line, you know? It's the bottom line. And for people who have difficulty 
even coming up with gratitude, at least learn to stop the stinking thinking. And you can engage in thought-stopping techniques that I think are quite helpful. One of them would be to uh, place a rubber band around your wrist, and then whenever you are engaging in thinking and using language that you know is going to be emotionally destructive, you snap that rubber band. Not so hard that you turn your wrist into hamburger patty meat, <laughs> but you, you want it to sting because it's an aversive, uh, aversive uh, technique, re aversive reinforcement technique. When it stings, it reminds you, I need to change my thinking. I need to do something different. Mm. You might want to get up and walk around the house, go get a glass of water, pick up a magazine and read an article, but just stop the thinking. Another one is to do some serial sevens, which is counting backwards from seven or from 100 by sevens. Um, you know, if you have trouble with that, you know, do it by fives if you have real trouble with that. I can't do it twos. forwards by sevens, and you want me to do it backwards? <laughs> and count backwards by ones. <laughs> I, I had, a, I had a, uh, a college math professor as a patient once, and he had a lot of uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And he ended up counting backwards from 1,000 by, I think it was 2,345s. Oh, good grief. That's what it took, but when he did it, he didn't think about his negative thoughts. <laughs> One of the ways I have, have done to help stinking thinking is I do a brain dump, or I just take a piece of paper and I write every single thing I'm thinking, just free, just let it all out there. And then I go back and I fact check it. Is this truly the, the this is really what is happening? And um, if there's any biblical counsel or a promise that might apply to give me another thing to think about when that particular thought comes up. Yeah, that's excellent. A uh, couple authors that I have enjoyed through the years have talked about irrational thoughts and uh, identify about 10 or 12 of them, and it's good to know what they are. You know, There's a book called uh, Feeling, uh, Feeling Good uh, that I think has some excellent suggestions for uh, distorted thinking styles that we can look at and change. So the next uh, suggestion, and you have to forgive me for my froggy voice, um, my last suggestion is to continue uh, meditation and or prayer. And I think for Christian people, it's ultimately important to remember that God is in control. Absolutely. Uh, it's easy to forget that. I've been studying the book of Habakkuk recently um, because... It's a small little three-chapter book nestled away in the middle of the Minor Prophets that uh, you, know, you wouldn't probably think much about reading. But once you get into it, you find that it is an amazing dialogue that takes place between Habakkuk and God. And interestingly, we learn that uh, we can be angry with God and we can show our anger at God. And God's big enough to accept our anger and to accept what we're struggling with and going through. Um, and uh, I think in Habakkuk's day, he was concerned that the people of Judah were basically ignoring God and engaging in activities that were contrary to his will, his purpose, his law. And he couldn't understand why God wasn't going to punish them. And so he took God on about that issue, and God finally said, well, I am going to punish them, and I'm going to punish them with the Babylonians. 
And immediately Habakkuk is really distressed because God, why, would you, why would you punish yeah. us with a people more evil than we? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And he said, after getting angry, I'm going to go sit in the watchtower and I'm going to wait, wait until you reply. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a pretty bold uh, con- uh, interaction that was taking place between Habakkuk and him challenging God. And uh, I think the two passages in God's response to Habakkuk uh, are, are appropriate today. The first one is, the righteous shall live by faith. And the second one is, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Which basically says, you know, relax, have faith. I'm God. I'm in control. I know everything that's going on. Nothing happens that escapes my purview or that I do not have my hand in. Uh, you have to trust me. I have a, a, a quotation here that I have always enjoyed uh, written in the book Education. Uh, it says, in the annals of human history, the growth of nations and the rise and fall of empires appear as dependent on the will and prowess of man. The shaping of events seems to a great degree to be determined by his power, ambition, and caprice. But in the word of God, the curtain is drawn aside and we behold behind and above and through all the play and counterplay of human interests, power and passions, the agencies of the all merciful one silently, patiently working out the counsel of his own will. So ultimately, we have to trust in God, that God is much bigger than we give him credit for being. And uh, he has our best interest in, at heart and loves us all deeply. Very good. Mike, thank you for those uh, suggestions. Nine of them, I think, as I counted, and uh, we appreciate your your being here. Now, we're going to come back with one more podcast, and that will be a, a, a question and answer session. Uh, Colette and I will have a couple of questions to ask you, and you can you haven't thought through them. We haven't given given them to you ahead of time. So we will we will do that, and then we're going to invite our people to send questions in as well. So we'll see you next time. Very good.